Okay, so we're talking about Hashish Yishma. So, the first passage says, Yishlach Yaakov Malachim Mufanov El Eisav Ochiv HaSeir Yaakov said Malachim in front of him to his brother Esau in HaSeir so Rashi says according to Medrash that it means Malachim which means real angels so there are two questions here one question is why did, why did Yaakov Avinu meet real angels? If any of men did, he could have sent. Angels are very special. I've never sent angels to Asa. And the other, as it says, it seems that his plan was to go after the angels. He was going to follow them to Esau, but we know that Yaakov is coming back there to Israel. He's not, doesn't have uh, any desire to, uh, to to go to Haseir, to go to the land where Esau lived. This other country, they say it's that sort of a Saudi Arabia was, is today, or southern Jordan. Anyway, so why do you send real angels? And what does it mean? He was going to go to Seir after them. So, uh, and then there's a third question, is why Bechlau, that also it's med, the Medrash says, Yaakov made a mistake, his opinion of the Medrash. He should have left Esau alone. Esau was the Haseah, hundreds of miles away. Why did he have to uh, send him messages? He knows that Esau, in the old days, was a big enemy, so why did he have to send messages to him? So the Shemeshmo's father, Abnezer, cites a medrash that he sent these messages. Uh, his goal was to make Esav to repent. He wanted to reach out to Esav and bring him back. Because we know that Esav, of course, was Yaakov and his brother. He was the son of Rivka and Yitzhak. He was Abba's grandson. So it's like a, a, a boy or a fellow in the family goes off the derech. So Yaakov didn't just want him to forget about him. It's his brother trying to, wanted to reach out to him. Now, Esau grew up in, in Yusuke Mifka's house, and Avmavina was still alive. So Avmavina invested in, in Esau, like in and Yisroch and Mifka invested in Esau. In fact, this is a famous statement that uh, Samson Leifel Hirsch says that Rashi says and the and they grew up, the two boys grew up. Esau became an Ishsada and Yaakov became a Yosheba Hollow. Rashi writes, as long as they were, before they reached the age of Bar Mitzvah, they were the same. When they hit Bar Mitzvah, by Yigdalu, then Esau went off to the Sada, and Yaakov went to the Yeshiva. It means they got the exact same education, elementary.
Pesuk Nifkan Avraham, but when they hit by Mitzvah, Asa went this way, and Yaakov went that way, and Asa came. Right? He tried to be like a guy. So they went out to be like with everybody else, and Yaakov stayed in, in, the, in the tent of, of Avraham. He stayed in the, in the, in the from Jewish atmosphere. Asa went out to be with the guy. So what happened? So there's a famous uh, Samson, Rayful Hirsch. Says Rashi writes there in that pasuk. It says, until they reached bar mitzvah, they were exactly the same. When they hit bar mitzvah, Esau went left and Yaakov went right. He says, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. They were exactly the same. He says that the problem was that they got the exact same education, but the education, one size, does not fit all. Every child has to have his own type of education. So Esau was full of energy. And Yaakov was a quiet boy. So Yaakov liked to sit and learn, study his quiet. And Esau liked to run around and, and do things, this, do exciting things. But Yisak and Rivka Avraham were treating them both the same. They were giving them the same like, you know, good old-fashioned, sit by the table, have books, study. They weren't giving Aesop his, his natural outlet to express his energy. So that's why when Aesop became already an adult, 13, he chucked it and just went out to be like all the other boys, run around as a teenager. So he got, he got, got friendly with the guy and became your son, and because they were getting the same education, he says, you have to make sure that when you educate every child, should be individualized. That's what Sam Rayford shows in the comment. It's a very good comment, but until today, we still never have done it, really, because we don't have one-on-one education. We educate boys and girls in classrooms. So one teacher is teaching 25 children. Meanwhile, what that teacher's doing may be good for 10 or 15, but it's, it's not good for all 25. That's why you have so much problems as we go through our educational system with lots of boys and girls not, uh, not making it because they're not getting the individuals. I always think that the Torah says, you're supposed to teach Torah to your children. So... So also people say, oh, I send, I pay tuition, I send my job to the yeshiva, to the Beis Yaakov. So that's it, I'm doing Vishanu Venecha. If, if that child, you know, fits into the yeshiva type of education that he or she is getting, okay. But many don't, many have to have their own special type of education, which is not what they're getting in the school. So you, father, you, mother, fill in at home what the child needs and the child is not getting in school. You have to figure out, you have to figure out each child, what does this child need? Now the school gives X, but maybe, but your child might be need X plus Y or, or X minus something. So you have to figure out how you can do that, how you can 
provide that individual uh, learning attention and program for your child, whatever it is. I think it's very important. I think it's basic today, more than ever. Because because we're so open to the whole world, it's very easy for children, teenagers, and young adults to just go out and become like the guy. They didn't get the right personal tailored education, tailored education. It's very, very important. Okay. Anyway, that's what he says. Rabbi Hirsch to explain why Asa went off. So, at this point, Asa was already an old, an old quite, quite an old man, so he wasn't going to change because Yaakov was going to send him a message. So Yaakov says, Avram didn't work on Asa. Yusuf and Rivka didn't work, and I certainly never was able to, to reach him. And he's full of enmity against me over the blessings, but I have to bring him back because he's my brother. So he said, yeah, I go to himself, he says, human beings won't, I can't find people, I don't know anybody who can do this. But if I send real angels, an angel could do it. A real angel will be able to pierce Aesop's offenses and get the message into him. That's why he said, he says, and if that's true, that the angels will, will get him into his heart and give him the right message, then I'll follow them. Then I'm ready even to go to Sayer and, you know, and, and partner with Asa. Now, the... Jacob uh, says, there's another Medrash which... Um, over here when Yaakov says, sends the message, he says, Vahili Shova Hamar Vayo Vahagi Vashachal Adon Nimsachain Bain Adoni. He says, I'm sending you uh, this message. Now, when he says, I've had, I have an axe, I have axe and donkeys and sheep. So it's a little strange that he mentions that um, day sub the message. So Rashi tries to explain that he's sort of, he's sort of telling him the, the blessings have, have not really happened exactly the way it was supposed to. I don't have the land of Israel, which was a real blessing. I did get very wealthy with all this livestock, etc. So, but maybe you're very upset because I was blessed with the land of Israel, but that hasn't happened yet. So, that's one of the Harashi learns. But the, the Medrash, there's a Medrash says that Yaakov was referring to something else, that the axe is Mashiach ben Yosef, and the donkey is Mashiach ben David, and the sheep are the Jewish people. So according to this Medrash, there's some kind of a very uh, you know, unusual message going on over here. 
because Mashiach is something that happened in the future all the way down to the end of time. And uh, what is he saying according to the Medrash? So, first we have to examine what calls Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Actually, that's also relevant to the whole story of Yosef and the brothers. Um, The the, the Jewish people have a very strange characteristic that they split. We split from beginning to the Yosef tribes and and the Yehuda, the other tribes. That's in the Pasha, of course, Vayesha. So, and then later on, in, when we're in Israel, it's also you have two Malchus, you have Malchus Yosef, Malchus Israel, Malchus Yehuda. And then there's a tradition, the Gemara mentioned a few places, that there'll be a Mashiach from Yosef, and there'll be a Mashiach from Yehuda. And then there's a prophecy that they'll come to, Eitz Yosef and Eitz Yehuda will come together with Seif Nachtov at the end of Ayigash. So what is the what's what's the what is the Yosef role and what is the Yehuda role? Obviously, the Ma'asav is similar to So what is the what's the role of Yosef as a Jewish leader and Yehuda is a Jewish leader and Ayigash Yehuda al Yosef? So there's two kinds of Jewish leadership and. They complement one another, but a lot of times they would pause at one another. So, what he says like this, the shame of Shmuel, he says that Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef, this is the part of the Jewish people to fight evil. Okay. We have we have a we have a mission of Surmeira Vaseto. Get away or destroy evil and do good. Okay, the world has Tovara since the eight Sadat. Everything in this world is Tovara. Okay, and um, our mission is to make the world a good place. So the mission of the Torah and Jewish people is to get to the Tov. But a lot of times you can't get to the Tov until you get rid of the Ra. Because the Ra. Like he says in Mashal, he says it's like there's land and you have to you have to grow good things in the land. The first step is you gotta get rid of the weeds, the bad things which grow in the land by themselves, weeds. You have to get rid of the weeds, plow, which kills all the weeds, and then you can put in the seeds and it'll grow. So Sumeraseto. Unfortunately the way the world is Without Torah, without good uh, leadership, evil sprouts. So the Jewish mission, our mission is within ourselves, but also to fix the world. So we have like this, but whether it's within ourselves, but especially with the world, since the world overall doesn't have Torah, uh, so we have to somehow get it. In order for us to get the message of Torah out there, we have to help them get rid of their evil. Get rid of the evil, then he can bring in the good message. So, you 
He says that's really the difference between Yosef and Yehuda, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Yosef's mission is to remove the evil from the world. We see that, that when Yosef went to Mitzrayim, well, his main thing there is to stop evil. He doesn't want Asia's Potiphar to do the sin. He doesn't want uh, Haro to misuse the wealth that he has. He wants to stop the evil and then replace it with the good. In many ways, he was fixing the evil that his brothers did because his brothers sold him was the worst evil imaginable. He was kidnapped and sold his brother. The worst things. So what? It, so basically, but after all those years of the, in Egypt, when they show up after 22 years, and he is prime minister, viceroy of the country, he's very he's super forgiving. He forgives them from everything because that's the way to fix their evil by being so accepting and forgiving. So then they learn to choose him. He was an amazing person, Yosef, but, and the way he gets people to do the truth is, is incredible. So, but he didn't always succeed. He thought he could fix Egypt, and he tried, but he didn't because after his death, power flips and makes the Jews slaves. So, whatever he did in his lifetime didn't last afterwards, but at least during his lifetime, things in Egypt were much better. So, the job of Yosef is to fix the evil, and the job of Yehuda is after the evil is fixed, to bring in the good. So Mashiach ben Yosef's job is to get rid of the evil in the world, and then Mashiach ben David is to bring in the Kedusha to the world. So Esau represents the world, right? The world outside. According to our traditions, Esau became the founder of, of Rome, which became the Roman Empire, was the domineering civilization of the world since then, up to including today. Every, everything in the world today is now built of Roman civilization, because Rome became uh, Christianity, Europe, Europe conquered the world, and then any nation has arisen copies the Europeans or the Chinese prime ministers dressed in a European-American suit with a white shirt and a tie. He looks like an American. He's from China, Japanese. So that civilization of Esau became world civilization. What about, what about the Ishmaelim? Like Islam? Oh, okay. So Islam is, is not Esau. Uh, there is some connection over Islam and Esau because Esau marries Ishmael's daughter. So there is some connection. Uh, but that's it's true, but fundamentally it's different. So there's Esau and Ishmael. But Esau is much more dominant than Ishmael. Ishmael has its peace. So they have 12. Well, in the CM, it was at 12 countries, but it's not like Esau. So, what Ishmael has, let's say, 
North Africa, the Middle East, but Aesop has all of Europe, and Aesop today has China and Japan and America and Canada and South America, literally the whole world, except for the Ishmael is really Aesop. And Yishmael has his own little, not little, but not the same as Aesop. So Aesop is the big culture that we have to confront, and Yishmael is, is also, but not the same. So talking about Aesop and its culture, so it has to be fixed, because the Yaakovino says, we cannot, I cannot abandon Aesop. After Hashem put him into the family, so but he didn't put him into the family for him to be lost forever. There has to be some way to reach him. Hashem put him in with us, so and we have been we're intertwined forever. Really. So since then, up till today, Jews and Esau have been always intertwined. Unfortunately for us, most of the time we were the victims of their uh, evil. But, but every so often, there is a part of Aesop which is good. Because what Yahweh was saying is, I believe there is a part of Aesop which is good, and I want to get that part to become dominant. So he says, the only way I can do it is I send real angels. Now, um, So, when those angels come to Esau, does he let them in? So it says in the Medish, no, he didn't let them in. So, um, because he didn't let them in, he never got that message. However, the, 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 the Esau has a potential, is definitely true. And when he meets Yaakov, Rashi says when he gives him the kiss that he was sincere, he really felt at that point that he could connect with Yaakov. But then he shuts down, and Yaakov didn't really trust him at that point, so they part ways, and Yaakov says, see, I will one day come to you. One day we will reconcile. So that is the Mashiach ben Yosef. Uh, when Esau will open up to the message of Torah and Yaakov. That will be the first stage. Now, that's why he says, I have the ox, I have the power of Mashiach and Yosef. There's something I have here. If you will let us help, if you will let us in, we could really become partners. So, the problem with Esau is that because he has so much ability and so much power, it, it distorts his priorities. So his priorities become more and more power. Like you must have, you have 100, you want 200, you want 400. So that's been the history of the world. The ace of world has been building empires. So Rome started as a city, but it wants to get bigger, so it gets all of Italy. Italy, it wants to get... Germany, France, and so we go to the Middle East, conquer the Jews, then we go even further east. And that's why it's been Russia, let's say, it's part of the ASOF today. It's, it's the biggest country in the world, but they say, they're not big enough. We have to get the Ukraine, we have to get Belarus, 
you know, let's get this idea of more conquest and more grandeur is because of distortion based upon the materialism. They went into the physical world and they they feel that the, the goal of life is to become more powerful and be a hero, strong, conquer. So and so and the Torah is opposite Torah saying is we don't have a we don't, physical conquest is not a Torah goal. The Torah goal is spiritual development. So the Jews are very small. They're not looking to become big physically. We want to get better spiritually. And, and love says that, but the, that the Jewish idea is that a diametrically opposite idea of Asaph. Asaph thinks that the more you accomplish physically, the better off you're going to be. Right? So more land, the, the better off the country's going to be. Uh, individual, the more money I make, the better off I'm going to be. It's all acquisition of power. The more power, the better. So the goal of life is, is being victorious, basically. That's their fundamental goal in all kinds of ways. Victory is the goal, right? What, what's America's obsession? Sports. What part of sports is the obsession? Victor, who won the Super Bowl? Who won? Who won the World Series? Everybody else played and lost and eh, garnished. The the guy who wins, he's the hero. So that's the culture. The culture is hero worship and power. And and what the Rub always says is that the Torah is the opposite. The Torah is saying is that to be defeated is the goal. The goal is defeat, not victory, but defeat. But when you have a defeat, then you realize that you're only a human being and there's a God in the world and that you should connect to him because he's all-powerful and he's all-goodness. You have to learn goodness from Hashem, which means to help the weak and the helpless give them the help, not to defeat people, but to help people who are hurting. So the conquest is the goal, so that the defeated can be hurt. And like in this uh, Super Bowl, so they knock out. Or the heavyweight champion, he knocks out. The, but the Torah says the opposite. We're supposed to help the weak. So it means, that's what the Lord was saying, that for us, defeat is good. Jews have always been defeated, so defeat is good. As it says in the Gemara, you read the Tzorah Chaliyah, or the Hasidim always point out, the Anivus, Moshe Rabbeinu, Anav Mikol Adam. We don't, we don't say Moshe Rabbeinu is more powerful, he says the most humble. What makes you humble? Being defeated. So, um, and that's the story of Yosef. Yosef is unfortunately victimized in the worst way and sent into slavery. He never expected to he never should have expected to ever see his family again. And that made him great. He becomes an amazingly great person as a slave in Egypt. Okay. So however, to flip the world from 
its mindset into this mindset is not at all simple. So that's Mashiach ben Yosef. This Mashiach situation will do it. How we don't know. How we don't know exactly because we have never been able to do it. So, um, but there is a redeemable side of Esav. And that side will, will absolutely one day be fixed. That's why he says there's a pasuk for all so the first step, though, is going to be uh, to get rid of the evil. That's going to be the Mashiach ben Yosef. And after that evil is gone, then there'll be the Mashiach ben David. So now, this is on a you know on a global scale, this concept. How, but, and this is basically what the Shem Shmuel says. Now, what I wanted to add as I told you that, and what I do here in this uh, book called Legacy, Hasidic Legacy, is adding certain things. So, one is, for example, that we have in our own lives a Mashiach ben Yosef experience, but a Mashiach ben David experience. It doesn't have to wait just for emotional Mashiach, or when the Jews were in Egypt, there was a Yosef, and then other Jews. Everybody has his or her experience of Mashiach, of getting rid of the evil, and then replacing it with the good. So, um, let's say you take Shabbos. Shabbos is a day in which both of these aspects exist. Because during the week, we're so busy with the material side of life, it's hard to focus on spirituality. Too busy making a living and taking care of daily things. Your college students busy with your tests and everything. It's hard to focus on the spiritual. Shabbos comes, it removes the barriers of the week. It gives you just a day to focus on the spiritual. So Shabbos really has like a double part of it. One part of it, the Hasidim say that it's Friday night. The first part of Shabbos is Friday night. That's getting away from the physical life of the week, and Shabbos day is the spiritual. So Friday night is getting away from the whole, that call that the Mashiach ben Yosef level of Shabbos, and then Shabbos day is the Mashiach ben David level. So, um, could be that you can find other ways of, um, of a Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, getting away from the from things which pull us down and getting into the things which bring us up. And uh, think about it. We're, but, the, but the thing is that the angels which Yaakov sent to Esau, and he didn't let them in. 
they would have been the Mashiach ben Yosef for Esau. They would have gotten rid of his bad stuff, and then he could get the good stuff. So um, everybody has angels which knock on the door. That's that's very important. Everybody has angels. But the issue is do we open up the door for them and get the message? So, uh, let's see, here in the yeshiva, you see all these signs, this learning, that learning, this this mitzvah, that mitzvah. So that's like an angel coming with a good message. But do we, do we, do we open up the door and, and, and respond to the message? We don't even hear the message. So the goal is to... To, to hear the messages of angels, which everybody has, and um, then you can you know, have the Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David experience. So, I, so it's an exercise for the week. Maybe try this. Keep a log for a week of messages you have heard from your own angels. Mark down if you responded properly to the messages, and if you didn't, what was the reason? Write it down. And in hindsight, we were always correct in your refusal to respond. And how can you make yourself more responsive to your angel's messages? You do this for one week. Then the second week, see if you've improved on your responses. It's a nice project for the week to uh, see where do we get good messages and are we responding to them? Thank you.